Living Corporate is brought to you by The Access Point. The reality is, this is the largest influx of black and brown talent corporate America has ever had. And as a result, a variety of talent entering the workforce are first-generation professionals. The other reality? Most of these folks aren't learning what it means to navigate a majority white workplace in their college classes. Enter The Access Point a live weekly web show within the Living Corporate Network that gives black and brown college students the real talk they need and likely haven't heard elsewhere. Every week, our hosts and special guests are dropping gems, so don't miss out. Check out The Access Point, airing every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Standard on livingcorporate.tv. Welcome, 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 welcome to the break room, everybody. I'm Dr. Dixon. Yay! It is super uh, awesome to have y'all on tonight. Um, so the break room is a podcast. It is part of the living living corporate uh, empire that um, uh, that we're building uh, to share information about being black in the workplace. And so the break room is all about mental health for black people in the workplace, because we know that sometimes those environments can be really, really stressful. Um, uh, normally, I'm surrounded by my awesome co-hosts. Uh, unfortunately, uh, they couldn't join us for tonight, but that's okay, because I'm going to be holding down the fort, talking a little bit about medications and well-being. That's going to be our topic for the evening. Uh, as always, uh, make sure that if you have any questions, that you put those in the chat. Um, and as always, we want you to follow us on Twitter, um, and send us any um, any questions uh, either through uh, the email or uh, directly through social media because we always want to make sure to answer your questions. And so, uh, so normally, so Dr. Nikki would be here, um, uh, awesome co-host, as well as Dr. Lawanda and Dr. GA, and uh, we are all mental health professionals that get to work with amazing people throughout the country. Uh, today, uh, you'll have me. So my name is Brian Dixon. I'm a uh, child and adolescent psychiatrist based in Fort Worth, Texas. And so that's where I get to hang out and I get to work with uh, with patients and I do some consulting work. And uh, the, the main goal is to help people live their best lives. And so um, with the traditional podcast, what we typically do is we always start off at the top of the hour. We go through the tea, which is kind of the, the latest juicy news of the week. Uh, we then move through um, some kind of uh, discussion, either a teaching point or a, a topic of discussion that allows us to learn a little bit about ourselves and our mental health. We then transition over into any questions that the audience has. And then finally, we finish up with uh, the last nerve. And so since I am here today, I get to do the last nerve and I'm super pumped and super excited because y'all, I'm, I'm I'm tired and irritated. And so the last last nerve is always uh, the, uh, the epitome of our podcast. So y'all will get to hear the last nerve tonight. So uh, we're going to start back at the the top of the podcast. Um, uh, again, our discussion tonight is our, uh, medications and well-being, and so we'll get to that in a second. Uh, we're going to do kind of an offshoot of the tea since it's just me this evening. Um, and I just want to give a shout out to the Baylor Bears men team, uh, uh, men's basketball team for winning the NCAA tournament. Hooray! So that's why I'm wearing my Baylor shirt today. Sickum Bears. Uh, I got my Baylor diploma right behind me. Uh, $80,000 worth of uh, uh Paper, I suppose. And so uh, I, yeah, I just want to uh, give a shout out to them because they worked really, really hard. I don't even play basketball. I don't even know how to play basketball. I'm one of those few black dudes in the country that has no idea of how any of that stuff works, uh, but that's okay because we 
want to make sure that we uh, give people their credit and credit where it's due and they worked really hard. And so I'm super, super happy about that. So that's the tea today. Um, I heard that the Gonzaga basketball team did something really awesome the game before the final, but I don't remember. Y'all will have to uh, fill me in on all that stuff. So, um, so yeah, so today uh, as a psychiatrist, I get to walk y'all through the world of medications and well-being. And like I said, if y'all have questions, by all means, um, ask. Before we get started with a lot of the medical ling uh, lingo and jargon, I always give the disclaimer that, yes, I am a treating psychiatrist. I like to talk about mental health. I infuse mental health into everything that I do and everything that I am and everywhere that I go. But I'm not your treating psychiatrist. And so if you are on medicines, if you think you need to be on medicines, um, if you have an opinion about medicines, uh, this show is mainly for informational purposes only. It does not uh, equal medical advice. And so if you need specific individualized medical advice, please consult your physician because they are ready and willing and able to help you. Um, no question is off limits. Uh, I do my best to answer anything that comes up. So let's get started. So I'm going to break it down into kind of two different segments. So the first segment uh, is going to be the five things that I think you just need to know about medicines. And so I'm going to walk through those and I'm going to do my best to copy and paste it into the chat so that y'all know where I am in the flow. Um, and then in the second part, we're going to talk about the five medicines I'm uh, I'm most often asked about and I have opinion uh, opinions about them and I'm going to share those opinions. And like I said, they're just opinions. It is not medical advice. And then the last part is we will transition over into the last word, uh, uh, the last nerve. So five things that I really, really want y'all to know about uh, uh, medications and well-being. The first is, and I'm going to post this in chat. So the first thing I want you to know about medications and well-being is that clinicians and physicians are not magicians. Y'all, we do not make the brain chemicals that we need to function. So in the world of brain chemistry, there are basically three brain chemicals that we really, really concentrate on in the field of mental health and psychiatry. The first is called serotonin. The second is called dopamine. And the last one is called norepinephrine. And each one has different functions. Um, and uh, I'm going to walk you all through those functions just so you get an overall idea of what they are about. Um, keeping in mind that lots of the gory details, again, are best discussed uh, with your with your physician. And so serotonin. So serotonin is a brain chemical um, that is related to mood and anxiety. Um, and uh, it's a super important brain chemical. Uh, and in fact, it is so important that there are just as many um, uh, serotonin receptors in your brain as there are in your gut. So your body uses lots of serotonin throughout um, the top to the bottom. So that's serotonin. Dopamine uh, is related to mood and attention uh, and a couple other things, uh, in, including movement. But the ones that we're going to concentrate on tonight are mood and attention. And so that's serotonin, that's dopamine. And then dopamine, using some proteins, some enzymes, um, gets turned into something called norepinephrine. And norepinephrine is another brain chemical that is related to mood and anxiety. And so those three brain chemicals are the three that we're really going to concentrate on. Uh, and the point that I want to make to y'all is that, again, you make them. There's no way for me to give you a pill 
uh, that includes these things. And so that's why I say we're not magicians. I can't wave a magic wand or throw a pill at you and produce these things. These are things that you actually have to produce yourself. And so the medicines that I use or that any psychiatrist uses pushes around those medicines, uh, pushes around those uh, brain chemicals and uh, and uh, in different ways. So sometimes they will push out dopamine into the space between two brain cells. Uh, sometimes they will block serotonin from being reabsorbed or sucked back, to in, back into a brain cell. And it's those movements that we use um, to help you feel better over the course of time. And so I, I welcome questions about that. But the first thing I have to uh, foundational of the whole entire talk is yes, we do not, uh, physicians do not create those brain chemicals uh, because we are not magicians. And so that's the first point. Moving to the next point, the second most important point, which is you are what you eat, literally, for real, for real. Okay. So uh, again, let me do my, do my due diligence. I'm working double duty uh, to make sure that I put this in the chat as well. So you are what you eat. There are particular uh, brain chemicals, serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, that are made from the food that you eat. They, uh, again, you, you, uh, uh, you create them from what you eat. So it's really important that you get a really well-balanced ba diet. I know we talk about this all the time, like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Do I need to count my points? Do I, uh, you need to eat your vegetables. And I'm here to tell you, yes, that's exactly what you need to do. There are two in particular that I need you to pay attention to. So remember how I said that serotonin and dopamine and norepinephrine are the three we're concentrating on. Dopamine and norepinephrine come from essentially the same place because norepinephrine comes from dopamine. So there's two things I need you to remember. So remember where serotonin comes from. Remember where dopamine comes from. Okay, so serotonin comes from tryptophan. So if you've ever heard of eating turkey and then you get all tired after uh, after turkey day, after Thanksgiving, which is like my favorite holiday, um, your body converts tryptophan into serotonin and serotonin then can help you feel better or it can help you with sleep. And so there are certain foods that have more tryptophan in them. So salmon, poultry, eggs, spinach, seeds, nuts, soy, those are all really, really rich. And the thing is your body cannot make tryptophan. Tryptophan is something that you have to ingest. You have to eat in order to um, eventually turn that into serotonin so that you can feel better, okay? Remember, you are what you eat. So yes, you need to consume foods that have tryptophan in it and that'll take care of the serotonin side of things. And then when it comes to tyrosine, so uh, tyrosine um, is what your body uses to make dopamine. I mean, it can use some other stuff, but for right now, for this, uh, for this discussion, the tyrosine gets turned into dopamine and dopamine is related to attention and to mood and to movement. And so you want to make sure you eat foods that are rich in tyrosine. So soy, chicken, turkey, fish, peanuts, almonds, avocados, bananas, milk, cheese, yogurt, a lot of the dairy stuff. Lima beans, pumpkin seeds, sesame seeds. And I bring that up because y'all are y'all are at work. This is a podcast about black people at work. And we want to make sure that you are eating right. So it may be that over that lunch break, you don't go over to the local Mexican restaurant and have a margarita. It may be that you don't order the enchilada plate with a whole bunch of ground meat and uh, and uh, pico de gallo, right? It, I need you all to be very thoughtful in your food choices because how you feel is directly related to what you eat. 
And so um, at the end of the day, if you have to be on a medication for any reason, remember that I cannot create those uh, brain chemicals. You create them from what you eat so that then I can push those things around. Okay, so now that we've talked about we're not magicians, you are what you eat for real, for real. There is no um, way around that part. The next part is I want you to keep in mind is that medications do not change behaviors therapy does okay so i always jokingly say this to my my patients and and everybody that i work with which is if i had a pill that would tell you what to do and make you do what i wanted you to do i would i would put you on it i'd tell you how to vote i'd tell you to go uh get uh, uh get uh, educated on the social justice uh, uh topics of the day like i would i would do all sorts of stuff if i had that magic pill but that magic pill does not exist. And so there is no medication for behavior. Instead, that's something that you have to work with. And that's why I'm super stoked to be part of a podcast with a whole bunch of psychologists is because we talk about the the importance and the power of therapy. And so therapy is what helps you change your own behaviors. And so learning your triggers, super, 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 super important. So triggers are basically anything, any stimulus, any action that happens around you that you automatically respond to, most times not even thinking about what you're doing. Uh, The best example is your phone. So anytime you hear that go off, you automatically reach for your phone. That is a conditioned response, right? So that is a conditioned movement. That's a conditioned behavior. And I want y'all to really work hard to be more aware of those behaviors because then you'll start to see them everywhere. For example, lots of people will begin to use food as a, as a trigger, um, a self-medicating trigger. So in other words, you get stressed out and you tend to eat tortilla chips or you get stressed out and you'll eat ice cream. So, you know, you're at work, uh, your boss is getting on you, you have a report due, and your tendency is to want to go and self-soothe by using some type of calorie, either going out to eat at lunch, uh, or, oh, forget it, I, you know, I brought an extra um, uh, a piece of candy, so I'll go ahead and eat that. And I'm here to tell you, you can, you can do those in moderation, but be very, very careful, uh, because those can become self-perpetuating behaviors, right? So, Um, Food is often used for self-medication. Alcohol is definitely used to self-medicate. So in other words, self-medication is meaning you use some type of uh, coping skills, something outside of yourself um, to help you feel better. Generally, we want those things to be very healthy and positive. Sometimes they're not. And alcohol is one that can really, really sneak up on you, especially in the business culture, because in the business culture, it's all about productivity. It's all about being engaging and being an extrovert. And yeah, this is really interesting. And even even though COVID keeps us from having happy hours, this is one of those times when Uh, A lot of people will start to drink because they're self-medicating because they're nervous or they're bored or they're tired of being at work and you just drink more and you drink more and you drink more. And so we want you all to be very, very careful and very, very thoughtful about using alcohol um, in in that manner as a behavioral tool to self-medicate. And um, uh, uh, same thing goes with uh, sex. So uh, um, and uh, I, I can't stress this enough. And Dr. Lawanda. Uh, is our, um, our resident expert in all things uh, intimate relationship. Um, be very thoughtful of who you are 
um, when you're getting into a relationship because other people can't complete you. You have to do the work yourself. And so if you're starting to feel lonely, um, you start to feel alone at work, be very thoughtful about, um, you know, what you're doing. That's all I have to say about that part. And we'll have a whole podcast at some point about how to have um, uh, meaningful relationships uh, at work that are still, you know, legal and healthy and that sort of thing. And so, so keep in mind, there are no medicines for uh, for those types of behaviors. So I, yes, there are some things I can use to try to keep you from overeating and uh, try to uh, my best to uh, limit your alcohol. Um, but we try not to use those things. Instead, we're going to look to you to do that through therapy. So there are no medicines for behavior, uh, for behavior. Okay. Next up, um, number four, there are no happy pills. Because again, if I had a happy pill, don't you think I would put everybody on it? And so I tell people this again all the time. I don't like prescribing medicines for folks because uh, I have to I have to hold at least ten thousand dollars worth of uh, malpractice insurance every year that I renew every year. Um, uh, and then, uh, and that coverage is, I think 1 million, 3 million. So I'm trying not to get sued because every time you get sued, then that tends to, uh, uh, go up and your premiums go up. So please don't sue me. Um, but it's a lot of work. I have to worry about my patient's side effects. I have to worry about, is the medication working? I have to worry about the cost y'all. So the cost of medicines is insane. We have a really dumb healthcare system. If you, uh, want my, uh, my personal opinion about our healthcare finance system, just go to my uh, individual website, uh, www.drbriandixon.com. Okay, uh, I won't I won't belabor that here, but I don't want to put you on medicines. I want you to be able to live your best life through therapy and through exercise and diet and that sort of things. And so, if I start you on a medicine, is because I think you're going to benefit from it. There's no benefit for me at all starting you on a medicine at all. Um, and that goes for most physicians. They, if they can get away with helping you feel better without a medicine, we're going to do so. And so since there are no happy pills, then how do you find happiness? Well, ha to me, in my opinion, happiness starts inside uh, living your truth, living your purpose, being your authentic self, being your black self, being your gay self, being your straight self, uh, being your trans self. You be you uh, both in your own life and at work. And when those line up, when those um, when there is alignment between your personal self and your work self, I think you're just a much happier person. And so, um, so many of us don't do that. And as a result, uh, we tend to um, we tend to struggle at work, especially if your work is really your workplace is very oppressive uh, um, and not inclusive. And so that's why Dr. Nikki and Dr. Luanda and Dr. Gide and myself, that's why we're on this podcast. Uh, we we want you all to feel more welcome at work. We want white folks to be uh, more understanding of you. We want you to be more understanding of yourself. Right. So that then there is uh, there is synergy across the board. Um, I throw out to y'all, uh, make sure that when, when I say an inclusive envir environment at work, it is very much speaking up on your physical and mental health behalf. So if you're in an office that doesn't have natural lighting, try to ask for it. Um, if there are ways that uh, you can get fresh air, make sure to ask for it. So most places will have some type of occupational health officer or some type of consultant that works in occupational health to make sure that if you're sitting at a desk all day, that your desk is a good height, 
uh, making sure that you have a, a chair uh, that is conducive to, um, to the ergonomics of your back. Um, there are a lot of workplace regulations uh, about what the workplace is supposed to have. You're supposed to have access to a bathroom. You're supposed to be able to take breaks, a, a certain number of breaks over a certain uh, time at work. You have the right to ask for all that stuff. Uh, that's why um, our workplace, uh, most uh, break rooms, uh, we don't have it in our break room because it's virtual, but most break rooms will have this big long thing that talks about fair wage and laws and all that kind of stuff. And take the time to read that. Um, it, it is required by law for every break room to have it. Um, and if, you, if your break room doesn't have it, by all means ask. Uh, but this is the opportunity for you to feel more empowered. Okay. Um, now, none of that has anything to do with the medication side of things. That's more of the well-being. You have to advocate for your well-being at work. Um, I, I own a business. I have employees. Uh, and I have to admit, sometimes as the business owner, I am so busy trying to make sure I can you know, make payroll to pay my employees that sometimes I forget the small things. Um, I forget the, hey, well done. That's awesome. I forget the, hey, um, your, uh, your son or daughter you know, had a recital. How did it go? I want you to speak up, speak up in your in your workplace. Hey, this is important to me. My family is important to me. Um, uh, my relationships are important to me. My my setting where I'm working is important to me. And so, yeah, speak up to your boss because I'm sure your boss wants to hear it. And if they don't, well, again, that's where I, uh, I, I want you all to seriously think about the energies that are around you at your workplace, because if they're toxic and we have a whole podcast about toxic workplaces that you need to listen to, uh, make sure to go to the Living Corporate uh, page and you can uh, flip through our old episodes, then it may be time to find a new positive workplace. Um, the last thing I wanted to add is that many corporations, uh, especially, um, uh, but even smaller companies are buying into what we call EAPs, Employee Assistant Programs, uh, uh, Employee Assistance Programs. And what they do is uh, this is a perk. This is a benefit of working at certain companies where they pay to have access to therapists and, uh, and coaching and counselors so that then you can anonymously contact them uh, and use those resources to help you feel better, to find local mental health resources that's, that are local to you, uh, to find ways to deal with that coworker that gets on your nerves or to uh, deal with that boss that gets on your nerves. Um, keeping in mind that uh, a lot of times those are also your avenues for um, if you need to file any official complaints about harassment and that sort of thing um, uh, at work. Because again, we most workplaces want to have a safe and inclusive workplace. And if they don't, uh, they need to learn and uh, they don't learn unless you speak up. So um, uh, as they say, this uh, squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? So speak up and uh, and that generally helps. Uh, uh, interesting tidbit. Somebody told me this. Uh, take it with a grain of salt, but it's a pearl that I found to be true. Um, if you go to a new job, make sure you ask for whatever you want within the first six months of you being there. Because if you start asking for stuff after that, it, it doesn't sometimes doesn't go well. So, you know, if you're going to speak up, speak up early. So. So we talked about how clinicians and physicians aren't magicians, okay? So we don't make the brain chemicals uh, that help you feel good. You are what you eat, so you make sure to eat the good stuff so that then if I need to push those things around with medications, I can. Um, keep in mind, there are no happy pills uh, because uh, it just doesn't work that way. Um, and that medicines do not change behaviors. And so if you want some change uh, in your life, you have to go to therapy. And that's why we uh, are uh, doing what we do. And the last big point 
of medications and well-being of this uh, portion of the podcast is that pooping is important. And I know I, I, I couldn't think of another time to put it on the podcast, so I'm going to do it now while nobody else is here. So I'm sure Dr. Nikki, Dr. GJ, and Dr. Luanda are like, what is this? So uh, uh, one of my uh, uh, my doctor friends who works in, as a gastroenterologist, which is a fancy term for doctor who works with everything from your mouth to your, your anus, uh, said that most people don't think about their butthole until it stops working. And y'all, I don't want your butthole to stop working. I want it to work the way it's supposed to. And the way you do that is you eat fiber. Um, we do not eat enough fiber in this country because we can do ridiculous things sometimes. And so... Uh, you need to eat uh, a certain amount of fiber, of soluble fiber. Uh, make sure you drink a lot of water. Um, and it, it essentially kind of acts as a uh, as a sponge, a roto-rooter to uh, make sure to, to clean out your uh, large intestine. Now, with all that said, and it really is that straightforward, um, if you are straining, like going in the bathroom and straining, that's a bad thing, y'all. Um, uh, and make sure that uh, if that happens, you want to make sure that you are um, checking with your doctor because there may be other things going on that's that's making that worse. Um, and uh, and we don't want that to happen because straining can cause all sorts of stuff. You can pass out. You can have hemorrhoids. It's it's just it's it's no good. No bueno for anybody. Um, one thing I did want to throw out to you is that a lot of people do these colon cleansing things and I, I be careful with those things. Uh, if you do what you're supposed to do with your diet, remember how I said, you know, make sure that you're eating certain things so that you feel better. And remember that I said that there are just as many serotonin receptors in your gut uh, as there are in your brain. If you're eating the right diet, you're going to feel so much better. You're going to poop a lot better because constipation is it's a it's a big problem and you're going to feel worse. Um, there is no such thing as a liver detox, so I don't know who keeps bringing that up. So I want to make sure to put that on the record in the digital space to last forever. Your liver detoxes; every, it, it it doesn't detox. It's it is the detox. It cleans everything. That's the whole point of the liver. And so uh, when you're using those detox pills or doing those detox things, be very very careful because again. Your liver will do, as long as you give uh, your body water, as long as you're eating right and you're exercising, your your liver will take care of all of the filtering that it needs to take care of. So you don't have to, you don't have to do anything special in that regard. And then uh, since we are talking about the workplace, we want to make sure uh, that you find the good bathroom. So everybody has the good bathroom at work. You already, you already know. So uh, just make sure that you um, uh, take your time. Uh, don't strain. Wash your hands when you're done because uh, lots of things get transmitted. Um, lots of viruses and things can get tra and, and bacteria, obviously, can get transmitted if, if that's not the case. So make sure that you're, you're setting a serene and as clean. And for those folks who can't poop at work, and I don't blame you because you know how that goes, then uh, again, plan your meals accordingly because there's something called the gastrocolic reflex, which is uh, a reflex in your body that when you eat uh, at a certain amount of time after that, most times about 10, 15, 20 minutes, you'll feel the need to poop. And so be mindful of that if your gastrocolic reflex is really strong, um, because otherwise uh, you'll get really anxious and if you can't use the bathroom. So, uh, so yeah, so all those things come together. I know it's a lot of information, but I'm just super glad that I got to share it 
on the podcast at the break room. Alrighty, so those are the five things that, that I want you to remember uh, about uh, medications um, and uh, well-being. Uh, for um, some of y'all that are on um, other medications, so medications for diabetes, medications for high blood pressure, um, some of them can make uh, make uh, constipation worse. Some of them can uh, do other things. And so that's why it's even more important that if you have a pre-existing condition, so if you have a pre-existing condition like heart disease, uh, congestive heart failure, um, uh, diabetes, that you do these five things because not only will it be good for your mental health, it's going to be good for your, your uh, medical health as well. And so Moving on to the next part. So uh, we'll make sure that, yeah, good. So if y'all have questions, like I said, make sure to put those in the chat. And I see Dr. Luanda out there um, uh, and uh, we will get those questions uh, taken care of. So we're going to switch over to talking about the five medicines that I'm asked about the most. Uh, keep in mind, again, this is not medical advice. This is Dr. Brian Dixon doing a podcast for your informational entertainment. So uh, I'm going to start with the one that I hear the most about, that I'm asked about the most, which is Prozac. So Prozac is the brand name. Uh, fluoxetine is the generic name. And what it does, it works through the serotonin system. So it blocks serotonin for these brain cells over here so that these brain cells over here can pick it up a lot easier. And over the course of time, most times three to four to six weeks, um, your sense of anxiety will come down. Your sense of depression will come down. But remember, it does not make you happy because I don't have a happy pill. Um, and it doesn't calm you down, uh, especially in the moment. It's, it's not designed to do that. And so um, uh, it's a very safe medicine. It's been around for a really long time and luckily is very inexpensive. Um, and we use it for um, quite a few different things. So anxiety, depression, panic attacks. Um, uh, again, it doesn't treat the panic attack in the moment. It's more to um, prevent the panic attacks from happening in the future. Uh, PTSD. Um, uh, it can be used with bipolar disorder if you are um, if you're being um, treated correctly. So again, check with your doctor. Um, yeah. So those are the big uses. Oh, OCD is another one. Um, and so it's really, really common. Um, and uh, if I had to say love it or hate it, I would say I love it because it can be super, super helpful. Uh, uh, my rule of thumb is that if I start a medicine, uh, start someone on a medicine, uh, I'm going to do my damnedest to get them off of that medicine at some point. So, um, uh, and this is probably one of the medicines that I use the most. So, um, alrighty. So that is Prozac fluoxetine. So that's number one. Um, lots of people ask me about number two, and I'm going to do my best not to cuss and act a fool uh, because it drives me nuts. So, Xanax. So Xanax is the brand name. The generic name is Alprazolam. Um, and what Xanax does, Xanax works on a different receptor that we did not talk about. The receptor um, affects GABA, G-A-B-A. -A. You can look all that stuff up on Wikipedia. But um, the reason why I hate Xanax so much with the heat of a thousand suns and I wish they would take it off the market is because it works too well. Bum, bum, bum. All right. So what happens when you hit the GABA receptor is that you get calm. Um, the problem with Xanax is that it hits the GABA receptor so fast and so well 
that you get calm. The problem is it doesn't last very long. And boom, Dr. Luanda, you're 100% correct. That means that you can build a, an addictive cycle. And so what we, uh, in our circles, we call it psychological and physiological dependence. Psychological dependence meaning Every time you get uh, upset or you start to get anxious, you'll feel like you need it. And that is very, very worrisome. Uh, and then physiological dependence means that if I take it away, you actually go through withdrawals. You get really nervous, you get shaky, you get really irritable. And those two types of dependence mean that I try my best to, my, I do my damnedest to stay away from Xanax. I do. Um, and the reason uh, why is because there are lots of other options that you can use that don't work so fast and don't wear off so quickly. Um, and when I say there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of other options. And so if you're on Xanax, I'm not saying to stop it. In fact, don't stop it. That'd be a bad idea. You need to talk to your doctor first. Um, what I am saying is know that there are other options out there um, that are not as addictive um, and just as helpful. And so, yeah, so I, I wish they would take it off the market, but you know, what do I know? I'm just a, a doctor that spent $225,000 on a degree, but you know, whatever. Uh, so that's Xanax. So uh, love it or hate it. I hate it. I hate it with the heat of a thousand suns. All righty. Number three, Adderall and Ritalin. Uh, and Ritalin. So Adderall and Ritalin um, are stimulants. We use those in uh, ADHD. Um, uh, a couple other things. So anytime you need to pay attention is essentially when you can use those medicines. Um, and they are very short acting. So Adderall and Ritalin only work the day you take them. They do not work the next day unless you take them, right? So if you skip a day, forget a day, forget the, your medicine at home, you're not going to pay attention. And so um, ADHD um, is very, uh, it's actually very common. Uh, I didn't believe in it when I first started medical school. Uh, I was like, no, this, these are just bad kids and somebody just needs to give them a butt whooping because this is ridiculous, right? Um, and so uh, until I did my pediatrics rotation and I was in the room with a eight year old that had it and I was like, holy shit, this is not only real, it's debilitating because kids literally cannot sit down uh, sometimes depending on the type of ADHD they have. Um, since this is a, an adult podcast for work, um, I want to tell y'all that there are lots of people in the workforce who have ADHD and they actually don't know it. And as a result, uh, they are struggling at work. Uh, as uh, overproducing adults, we tend to internalize everything. So if I can't concentrate, if I can't get my reports done, if I'm procrastinating too much, I turn it inwards and go, oh my God, I'm a terrible person. Maybe, maybe I don't like this job. Maybe this job isn't for me. Maybe this career is wrong. Well, sometimes it's actually untreated ADHD. And so if you think you have ADHD, um, talk to your doctor. That's what they're there for. Uh, talk to your psychologist. That's what they're there for. And so Adderall and Ritalin, um, they work by increasing um, uh, dopamine, uh, making dopamine more available so that you can pay attention. Um, and I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, the main side effect is um, uh, appetite suppression for most folks. So you just, you really don't even think about eating while you're on it. Um, and so, uh, but we try not to, that does not mean that we use these for weight loss and that sort of thing. Nope, nope, nope. Don't do that. Um, that's a whole, again, that's a whole other discussion for a whole other day. Um, this medicine is to help you focus and to concentrate. And so, 
Um, I, um, uh, uh, when people ask about the addiction potential, so they actually design these things to not be addictive. Um, they don't give you the sense of euphoria that um, it's uh, some of its distant cousins like cocaine would give you. And so technically, um, they are very, very safe when you use them correctly. And that's the key. So make sure you talk to your doctor. Right. And so I would say love them. I hate them. I love them. I write for them all the time. And they're super, super safe. Um, again, make sure that you do all of the other things I talked about earlier, especially with your diet uh, and make sure uh, you moderate your caffeine. Alrighty, number four medicine that I'm often asked about uh, in the context of bipolar, which is lithium. So lithium uh, is very interesting. Um, uh, and uh, I don't know if y'all can tell, but I love my job. I think it's great. Um, and I think everybody should uh, become a psychiatrist. Uh, so when it comes to lithium, so lithium is a salt. We actually don't really know how it works. Uh, Y'all's guess is as good as ours, uh, but we do know that it's very helpful for people with bipolar who have a manic episode. So manic is very defined. Uh, there's a defined criteria for mania. Um, uh, most times it's not what you think it is. And so I hear people say all the time, oh my God, I'm so bipolar. And I'm like, if you're saying that, you're probably not. So be careful with that stuff because it is very well defined. Uh, and if you have questions about that, by all means, talk to your doctor, talk to your therapist. Um, lithium is a very safe medicine if you use it correctly. So one of the hiccups uh, with your uh, with lithium is that you have to get a lot of lab draws uh, to make sure your blood level is correct. And um, quite a few people hate getting their blood drawn. And so um, so some doctors will um, uh, kind of be um, hesitant sometimes to write for that particular medicine. Uh, but if you are having trouble um, with uh, mania or um, uh, mood stabilization, it can be very, very helpful. And so um, uh, the key is um, is to um, make sure that your kidneys are healthy. And this is where all the other stuff comes in. So if you have diabetes and you're having kidney damage and you're on lithium, the issue is that lithium is only excreted through your kidneys. So in other words, um, um, uh, if you don't have the filter, if your kidney filters aren't very good or you're causing damage due to your diabetes, you can actually get a buildup of lithium where you start seeing halos around light and you get really jittery and your hair um, uh, can start to fall out and stuff. Uh, and you, so you need to be very, very careful. Um, and so talk to your doctor as, as always, but in used in safe quantities. Lithium is awesome. So yay, I love it. All righty. Uh, and again, um, uh, just just talk to your doctor. Um, and then the last medicine, last but not least, that I get asked about all the time is Ambien. Uh, so um, I, again, uh, there are certain medicines that I just hate. And Ambien is one of the ones, again, that I hate. So Ambien is actually a distant cousin. It's not distant. It's, it's a cousin to Xanax because of the way that it works. Um, I can't even remember the uh, the generic name of it because I just try to avoid it like, uh, like the plague. And so um, Ambien, um, there was, I think a few years ago, people were like, oh, well, I was seeing, I was hearing about people taking Ambien and having all these weird dreams and, you know, getting out, getting up in the middle of the night and driving around and all that. And yep, it is possible. So Ambien and uh, Xanax um, uh, hit the exact same receptor as alcohol. And so, um, so for people who um, drink alcohol plus use Xanax or Ambien, 
you run the risk of some really major interactions because it can keep you from breathing, like literally kill you. Um, it can uh, do all sorts of stuff. And so I want you to be, if you're listening to this podcast, be very, very careful. Are they safe in um, small quantities? And uh, if you're using them correctly, yes, because they are. They are They are FDA approved. They are very, very safe. Um, if you're on them, don't stop them unless you talk to your doctor. Like I said, I'm not trying to fear monger. I'm just trying to educate. Um, uh, but if you can do everything else to help yourself sleep, exercise, lose weight. If you have, um, if you snore and you have sleep apnea, go get that treated or checked and get your CPAP. Um, uh, avoid alcohol. Uh, don't use the bedroom for anything other than sleep or sex, right? So if you can do all of those things to make sure that you can fall asleep without Ambien, then please do so. If you use Ambien, just use it carefully. If you find yourself using escalating doses of Ambien or escalating doses of Xanax, you need to go talk to somebody. You need to talk to your um, your uh, physician, your psychiatrist, whoever's writing for your medicines. Okay, so uh, do I love it or do I hate it? I hate it. And I, I, I just I hate Ambien. So um, alrighty. So those are the top five medications that I'm asked about. Um, for you in the workplace, um, the, I want you to just be mindful that the best medicine is diet, sleep, and exercise, right? So um, start with those things first. If you need to be on a medicine, just make sure you take it the way that it's written. Make sure that you, you take it at your doctor's instructions. Uh, and then if you're self-medicating, again, make uh, call yourself on your triggers and be, be very alert to what you're doing. Alrighty. So I hope that those two sections and those two segments were helpful all the medications and well-being, and then my uh, top five love them or hate them list. Alrighty, before we uh, jump into uh, the last nerve, I want to make sure I, um, uh, of course, I totally, okay, there we go. Um, before uh, we jump into the last nerve, I want to make sure to give a shout out to Living Corporate once again, because they are our um, hosting platform, uh, and we're really, really lucky to be on uh, the uh, the. Uh, the uh, break room. So uh, do I love or hate lithium? I love lithium. I think it works great for who it works for. So yeah. So especially if you have a, a history of uh, bipolar with mania, it's very um, generally very safe um, and, uh, and very effective if you use it correctly. Alrighty. So, um, so let me find my phone because our rule is uh, we, our last nerve, we always um, shoot for a 90 second, last nerve. And so um, I'm going to uh, pull up my uh, my stopwatch and uh, we're going to go for one minute and 30 seconds. So uh, my last nerve for today, y'all, is willful ignorance. So I am in Fort Worth, Texas. I love this city. Um, yes, we have a long way to go when it comes to racial justice and equality, but I just got a notice that there's going to be a White Lives Matter rally in Fort Worth. And I think it's the dumbest shit I have ever heard. And the reason why I say that is because number one, we all know that white lives matter because we see it every single day. Um, and just because we say black lives matter does not negate the idea that we believe that white lives matter too. So let's be, let's get that uh, correct. Number two, especially as treating psychologists and psychiatrists, we love working with people. Sometimes we work with people who don't even agree with us. Sometimes we work with people who um, don't know their blind spots, but we work with them anyway, regardless of their color. But what we cannot stand, and myself included, 
is willful ignorance. When you know better and you choose not to do better, that's a problem. That's a big old problem. And so when we see things like this, especially in an age right now where diversity, equity, and inclusion is being talked about, it's online, it's in every corporate manual, everybody's putting out a, a notice. When you do that stuff, it's just, it's, it just is so hurtful. It is so hurtful. And so what we want is we want our white allies to stand up and say, this is bullshit. Stop doing that. That's not helpful. Okay. And I want every person, uh, regardless of color, but especially our white allies to use that phrase. That's not helpful. Willful ignorance is not helpful. And there's no way we're going to uh, excuse you of your behavior when you know better. Like my mama said, if you know better, you have to do better. Okay. Let me just be clear about that. All right. Whew, got my blood pressure up and it's all hot in my home studio. Lord have mercy. All righty. Um, so uh, I hope that you enjoyed uh, the uh, the podcast um, uh, for, on medications and well-being. Uh, I'm Dr. Brian Dixon. Like I said, super, super glad uh, to have you all on tonight. Um, if you have any other questions, uh, make sure to uh, let us know uh, on Twitter. Uh, we are at The Break Room LC. Uh, if you want to send us any uh, messages, uh, make sure to send it to thebreakroomlc at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Lawanda and Dr. G-Day and Dr. Nikki, uh, who are the hosts of your uh, Black Folks at uh, Work podcast, uh, known as The Break Room, uh, we are uh, out. Thank you all so much. See you later. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.